another day another podcast and I am here with a lovely woman um, that I have known for a while now and I'm starting to do some more interviews on my podcast because as much as I'd like to toot my own horn and tell you guys I know it all and can you know teach you this and teach you that um, I find it really important to be in community with other women and always be learning And so I asked this lovely soul onto my podcast because she has an amazing story. And I have already learned so much from just knowing her kind of in crossing and then being friends across the country after she moved. But um, I, I think part of, you know, you guys all know that this podcast for me is kind of, it's fairly new. And when things are new, you're not really sure what direction you want to go with it. You just know you have this feeling that you need to start moving. And this is something that's been coming up in the last few weeks for me is I I feel like God's saying, you need to share other women's stories a little bit, because like I said, as much as I can tell you what to do or give you inspiration, I find just as much as these conversations fill up my cup. And I learn so much from the women that I talk to. And the best part is, is they're women just like you and me. And um, a part of their story will definitely inspire you. And so today I have Audrey D. Boover on, and um, I'm going to let her tell you who she is and stuff. But before I do, um, I actually met Audrey, uh, gosh, it was probably close to 10 years ago, I think. Um, And we're on Zoom right now, so I could see her and she's nodding. So I think we're about right in that timeline And we met through a CrossFit community here in my hometown called Copper City, um, now Strength and Conditioning. And ever since I met her, she's one of those people who's super quiet when you first meet her, but she has something about her that you're like, hmm, this girl has a presence and she's so sweet and so kind and always so welcoming, but she is driven (laughs) And she has purpose and now her purpose has grown. So that's why I brought her on so that you guys could all hear her lovely story. So Audrey would love for you to kind of tell, um, tell us who you are and what you do. (laughs) I am Audrey. Um, first and foremost, that's who I am. I am 32 years old. I am a wife. I am a mother of two an 18 month and a three year old, both girls, and I am the owner of a cake business called Cake Baby. And that is who I am in a nutshell. <laughs> that yeah. is three, a few of my, my most important roles. Yeah. And, and you moved to New York. How? Because you're from New York originally, right? I was born and raised. Um, up, okay, just to, bear, just to be very clear, it's upstate New York. Um, we are in farmland country, western upstate. Um, we're about five or six hours from the city. Um, we're very small towns. Um, and this is where I was born and raised when I was 18. I left here to spread my wings. I moved to Florida from there. I moved to Pittsburgh, then down to Florida. And right from Florida, I moved home for a quick second until I packed a bag and moved to Butte, Montana. And I yeah. thought I would be there for a week or two, and I stayed for five years. 
And Butte, Montana is like, it's funny because it's sneaky that way because people underestimate Butte, right? And to this day, I'm like, it's funny when people are like, oh, you're from Butte. And I'm like, heck yes, I'm from Butte. And every time I mention, you know, it was hard for, you know, had I not had roots here, if my roots and I, I come from a very tight knit family, if I did not have that, I would have stayed in Butte forever, regardless of why I went there in the first place, I would have settled. I still keep in touch regularly with my Butte people. A piece of my heart is still there. I still support it. I still love it. I still am like thinking like, when will I be back? Um, And I will just a matter of timing. So yeah, it was a, that really helped shape. That was a huge, huge piece of uh, part of shaping who I am and, and um, just a really awesome part of my story and my journey that I'm so proud of. Yeah. And that's kind of where it started for you and me meeting because at CrossFit we met mm-hmm. and I really looked up to you because I was like, she just gets it done no matter what. And I'm like, here's this little tiny thing. And if you've seen her in person, she's just this cutest little thing with like blonde hair, cowgirl boots, and she'll just get it done. She's definitely, I loved when you're like, I'm pointing out that I'm from upstate New York. Cause I was like, oh yeah, she's country. <laughs> so, um, so, and I, I think that kind of brings me to my point too, because now that you're a mom, you have a really unique story. And you're a business owner. And we've talked in the DMs a little bit about, you know, being a mom, owning your own business and seasons of life, but not letting like your dream die because you feel like you have to choose. I would love your, per, um, I would love your take on, on that. Like maybe give people a little background of, your personal story of being a mom, but like what's happened recently and then how your business kind of fit into that too. I would love that. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. I feel like there's, um, I'll just go ahead and start. I, I've known I had this passion for even out West. I had a passion for baking. I went to school for it. I and always did it on the side um, when I couldn't have my own space. I do it out of my house out west. I actually acquired the name that is now my business name, Cake Baby, because I tended bar and I was the youngest bartender and they knew I baked cakes by day and bartended by night. And then it became my license plate. And when I moved home, my business name. So that followed me all the way. And this was pre-kids. So I did not even have children. I was just young and aspiring to be a baker one day, but I always knew I wanted my own business. I knew I wanted something that was mine, something that um, allowed me to really form a discipline within myself, um, but also have a lot of freedoms and a lot of flexibility because I ultimately, my, my biggest dream in life was to have a family, to have kids. That was my ultimate goal. But I also had this passion and for to have my own business and to be able to do both and pre-children, this seemed like a very obtainable goal, very easy, very exciting. Um, yeah. And so as soon as I moved back to New York, I had a shop built right away. I was very excited, started my business. My, my first goal was to just get established. You know, I hadn't been in the area 
And that happened very fast where we live. We live in the Finger Lakes region. So we are surrounded. Um, there's tons of lakes and it draws a lot of people in for vacationing. And also wedding venues are everywhere you look around here. So I was pleasantly surprised at the demand for my business, which made it really easy to pursue my dreams. And so I went with it and I met my husband and as soon as we were married, we both wanted children as soon as possible. And we were so lucky that it was very easy for us um, the first time through. So I had my first girl. This, this, she's now three. So this was three years ago. So my business was in full force. And I thought, I can do this with, I can do this with um, a baby on my hip. You know, I was raised by a single mom who always had her own businesses. So I was raised with the notion that she did it by herself with three children. So I'm doing it me by myself with one with a partner like this will be easy went for it. And it was great. I mean, I took my little girl to my shop. It was, it was hard though. It, you know, having a child, it, um, it, it disheveled, like it, it stirs up your, the routine you were used to. It's something very new. It's something very different. So naturally there was a lot of adjusting and I did the best I could. And I, I enjoyed bringing her with me. She enjoyed coming because it's what she knew. It was what she was used to. My shop was actually about 25 minutes from my home. So I would have to drive to my shop. So, um, you know, and then she was 19 months old and I was pregnant. Um, she was about, well, when I had, I was, so let me start that again. She was, we got pregnant again and I thought, well, now we'll just do, you know, I was just settling into like being a mom, <laughs> just thinking like I'm getting the hang of it. After 18 months, I thought I'm getting really good at this. She's becoming, she can walk. She can, she's there. This is really fun now. Like this is getting easier and easier. So, and my pregnancy with her was very seamless, very easy, very manageable. And so was the birth. I mean, it was painful, but like just how I was hoping it would ever go. And I went in for my 35 week ultrasound with my second pregnancy. And at this time after already being pregnant and once I thought the 35 weeks, you kind of feel like you're in the free and clear. You kind of feel like we're good. Like what, you know, all those things, all those markers in the beginning, we cleared them, we were looking fine. And I had no reason, no suspicions that I felt great. I had no, so I went in for my 35 week appointment with a batch of cupcakes fresh that morning for my OB because that's just what I did with my cowboy boots and cupcakes. I show up, we have our initial, you know, look over. They send us into the ultrasound. And that was when my world stopped. Um, that was when... They, I told my husband, oh, go home and get our three-year-old, you know, you go, and they had told me actually like, you, you're not going to want to leave. Like, we're going to need you to stay. And that's when it was like, somebody hit the freeze button on life. Cause that's that moment where you're just, you're caught so off guard and you, you don't know what's next. You know, it's not good. You know that, um, 
you're about to be told some really hard news. You just don't know how hard and how it's going to change your life. But you know, like you just know, like your all of your insights are telling you like your life is changing right now. And you don't know how and you don't know why. And the doctor came in and he told us that they were making lots of phone calls to the nearest like specialization hospital. And um, they... He basically, he said he couldn't, he told us there was fluid in her brain. They said it had to do with her brain, which was very scary. And he just said he wouldn't be able to tell us much. Fast forward, we had, so that left us, I was 35 weeks pregnant. We immediately started seeing specialists. And the first appointment they actually had us attend was a counselor. Um, Before they even sent us to someone that could tell us more, they sent us to counseling. So you didn't even know, you didn't even know what was wrong? No, we knew it. it, We knew that there was fluid in her brain. We knew that it was something to do with her brain and there was something to do with extra fluid. That was it. So then they sent us to counseling and I was like, this is terrifying. Like, we're not even here. Like, what about it? I just want to like see more and know more and learn more. Like, what is this? But it was like the fact that they were sending to counseling, like rung a lot of bells, like this is something very big. So it was actually very helpful. I was grateful. These people obviously know what they're doing and how the system works and what is best um, and how to tackle these times in life. So we met with the counselor who took us like, I swear, it took us like a week to pronounce um, our daughter's condition that was eventually diagnosed as hydrocephalus, which actually... Um, that the mean that means a flu uh, water on the brain, and so there's cerebral spinal fluid that naturally drains through our bodies through our brain, and hers she had experienced a brain bleed um, in on the right hemisphere of her brain, which caused a blockage, and that fluid was no longer able to block. So in her, there was no space. She had so much fluid build up in her brain. There was no room for brain tissue to develop, no room for brain tissue to grow. And during the next ultrasound, they had told us these verbatim, these words, there's mild, medium, and severe um, cases of, of hydrocephalus, and this is severe. So those were some of the first, some of the first information we were given and from then we just, uh, we took it one, it was like an instant thing with my husband. I was so much to handle. We realized quickly that um, there was so much unknown. So the doctors made it very, very clear from day one that uh, she was still safe inside me. We could leave her inside me and let her still grow and develop the rest of her body looked healthy, looked well, her organs, everything uh, but her brain, it, what would happen when she entered the world was a very, very large space of unknown. And they were, they would tell us things like, uh, you know, they had prepared us to be admitted right to the NICU. They had prepared us to perhaps never bring her home. They set us up with uh, talking to counselors of end of life, uh, quality of life, decision-making and all of those things. I feel like I'm diving in the wrong directions here. So 
we were told a lot in a very short time. And we took it minute by minute, day by day. We kept our our faith and our hope. And uh, we just, we knew that we were, we were actually okay with the unknown because it left this space of uh, the outcome being still okay. It didn't close that door. It left that door open. So I think we just clung to that and we gave birth at 40 weeks and two days. She came, she was beautiful. She was crying. She was, she was amazing. And it was like the hap, you know, the birth of all our children are the happiest, but just to have her out in the world, she was out of the NICU in 24 hours and she was in our home within four days. We knew that she would need brain surgery within weeks. And the doctor just wanted to follow her. He wanted to wait as long as possible for her to get as healthy as possible because most children with hydrocephalus need surgery within four days of birth. We were so lucky to bring her home for eight weeks and then send her for her initial surgery. So now uh, as a mom of two with my business, my (laughs) my life completely shifted. It was not what I anticipated. It was not what I projected. It was not, I, I quickly realized I need to make a lot of decisions and I need to adjust to this new lifestyle that I'm presented with this new, you know, this unexpected road I'm heading down and and it was okay. And it actually overlapped with COVID, which helped give, it really helped me give my permit myself permission to slow down and to take the time I needed. I was so terrified to, to lose my business, to lose all that hard work I put in. I was so nervous to step back to thinking that it would just be washed away. All that hard work would just be washed away. But I knew my place. I knew that it wasn't even a question. My, my kids needed me. My family needed me. That's where I was being called. And so I took a lot of time to hone in, to care for my daughter, to be with her, to be with my whole family, because we were still just relishing the fact that we had this beautiful soul with us that we were told that that would be a very slim chance that we would get to take her home and to have her and to be with her and to experience life with her. So we took that little break. uh, And during the course of her life, she's now 18 months with in that 18 months, she has challenged me to the greatest lengths in the best ways to be this person that I've, I've been wanting to be, that I've been striving for, that I've been reaching for. And I just, I was struggling to get there. And when I say that, I'll just, some of the challenges, you know, that she, they just, I can apply them to all aspects of life. Um, you know, she really allowed me to get comfortable with welcoming the unknown she presented me with that challenge and I embraced it. And she, she challenged me to face all of my fears. And that taught me so much about, you know, what I thought were my greatest fears. And then I learned what truly like 
though the ones that I thought were actually my greatest fears weren't. And I learned so much from that. And then the think the greatest thing she taught me and the, the whole experience was to just surrender to not having control because I was really like a hands-on mom. Um, I, I was a stay-at-home mom, you know, with my, my first all day, every day. I took that responsibility very seriously and I felt like this is my job. This is my responsibility. And it was really hard for me to share that. And when Annie came into my life, I really, it, it, she just allowed me that the, she just gave me that ability to just, because her, with her condition, there's nothing, it's out of my control. It's out of anybody's control. And it just, it just was like, so in my face, like evident that and it felt so good that moment when we, I just like, took a breath and I just was like, it doesn't matter what I do or how I do it or any, it, it, I can control my actions and I can control my attitude. And that is what I can control. <laughs> and the rest, I just let it go. And once I learned how to do that, I, I just felt like I could be a better mom. I could run a better business. I could do both things still. I could invite more business into my world. I made some adjustments to make it easier. I brought my business to my home address to make it easier for myself, but I didn't want to lose. That was my, that was my like escape from, not escape, but that was my outlet. My outlet. Yes. That is where I recharge. It's so funny. I come to work to recharge. I would walk into my shop and just feel like so energized. And then I would walk back into my home and be such a better mom, be prepared for so much more. I, I talk about that a ton because people, I think as moms, um, you know, a few things really stood out to me. I mean, as we were talking, you saw my head go like up and down. I was like, praise Jesus. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, it was so true because so many things that you said, like, so hit home with me. And that what, that's what makes me realize is that I'm not alone, even though so often in this journey, I felt so alone in how I felt and in my situations. And it really comes back to show that you know, I mean, like you, I had, you know, I, I had a point in my business where I was holding on so tight to it and like trying to control every little thing that I actually was not letting it grow in the way that it was intended to grow that I, I personally felt like God was calling me to do. And so therefore he gave me twins that I had to take six months off. And I had, I had six months. Like I remember going in and my husband was like, you know, when you have these babies, you're not going back to work right away because I'd be the person to pop out a baby and do a photo shoot the next day. I mean, that's my mentality, but I, I'll never forget surrendering to that. And it makes me even want to cry now because I remember sitting in that Ronald McDonald house, writing the emails to my clients saying, I'm so sorry. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be able to finish this project 
until this time. I am so sorry that I let you down. And every one of them came back and said, Melissa, you are having twins right now. Why are you even emailing me? But it came down to realizing like I surrendered. And I remember saying, I'm giving this up for six months. My business didn't go anywhere. I came back stronger than ever. I had to go back to the foundations because I was relearning and I had to give myself the space to relearn even a freaking schedule. But I wanted to ask you a question. Um, When you said what I thought was my fear was totally different than my real fear. Do you mind sharing that? couple there's some you know I there was there's some little fears like when I gave like just going into giving birth with Annie um with hydrocephalus one thing that comes with that is a larger head circumference because of the fluid uh one of my prior fears was having a c-section that was one of my biggest fears and now it seems so shallow to have that is a fear. Um, I think my mom had three. So it wasn't even like I didn't have an example, like we're three healthy children that she had, but I was terrified of it. And then when we learned of Annie, I, like that was like, I laid there on that table, like cut me open. I made that choice. So she was literally within a millimeter where they were like, you could still deliver vaginally this is they, you know, they left everything up to us. It was one millimeter of a circumference size or, but they said, it is up to you. You make the decision. No one can say there's no proof or evidence. There's no knowing what the best option. They knew I was very pro natural. That's how I delivered my first. I'm a natural person. I always choose that first, but in this circumstance, my husband and I talked it over and it was, it was what is going to pose the least, you know, with having already having a brain bleed and a lot we wanted to in having a C-section wasn't necessarily still going to be flawless or guarantee anything. But for us, it felt like the safest. And that's the only thing that mattered. Like, what is the safest, least risky for her? You know, so I was like, caught me open, baby. Like, it, and it was it, like, so when it came, like here, this was like my greatest fear. When, when the time came, that was the easiest part. And recovering like that, she was alive. Like I was that, when I think back to that birth experience, you know, I, I don't want to write off anyone who's had a traumatic season. Like, this is like, this is just our personal story. But that was, you know, I don't even recall that wasn't even a thing. And now I show that scar with, I'm like, Jack, this, wow, like, this is so cool. Like, I'm so proud of it now. It's just so silly. And the other, you know, the bigger version of a fear was another example was um, I used to, I had it in my head that, you know, losing my child, um, having my child die was going to be my greatest fear, um, losing a child. But then we were faced with, discussions of quality of life and we were faced with the re- like potential reality of as her parents having to choose like to if for her to have a life or not and having to like and here I thought like had you know if we didn't have that choice like having her pass would be one thing but having to make that decision like 
that's another level. Like here, I thought that would just be the worst thing ever. And then you realize that that's not necessarily the worst. There's, there is even worse. And I think, but now having, I think for us, like having to face that, having to confront that, you know, I know we came, we are coming out of this on the bright end. She's alive and she's thriving. So maybe it's easier for me to talk about it, but having and being faced with that has allowed for us to just live this life with a whole new approach, you know, and it's made it all the simplest, the beauty, the, the simplest things are just magnified. And, and we're so grateful for that because, uh, you know, we've seen our darkest days, but with her, like, but then on the other, the flip side, we've witnessed the brightest, you know, it's all full circle, you know, the darker the night, the brighter the day. And we've got to experience that. And we're grateful for that. And, you know, when you were talking, one thing that you kept saying is, is it was the uncertainty. It was the uncertainty, but I felt like you kept getting proved that uncertainty necessarily wasn't the bad thing. That was actually, like you said, the door of hope. Uncertainty was actually a blessing in, in a way. Yeah, before she was born, we told very few people because it was so unknown. I didn't want to flood everybody that knew us. I did not want to flood people with the thoughts, you know, when you say, this is what we know, you know, this bit, but this is what we don't know, this huge giant where, you know, we know just this very tiny snippet in this huge, what, you know, what might happen. And I just lost my train of thought for a moment there. And everyone would respond, the not know, you know, I would just say a close friends and family, you know, we just don't know. And they would say the, that's the hardest part. Not knowing is the hardest part. And the more I got, I would just hear that again and again. And I was still trying to sort things out at this point. We had just gone, I had five weeks to figure out, you know, to just get through before yeah. we were, we were faced with it. And I kept, telling I just kept visiting those words the the unknown is the hardest part and I just I disagreed that was the easiest part that was this day after having gone through three brain surgeries the first surgery we didn't know what it entailed we didn't know how it worked that was the easy one it was the emergency one like it was it was knowing what we were going into. It was knowing what we were about to endure. Those were the hard parts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I, I, I love that because it totally is the unknown. And, you know, it's funny when you're talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is bringing it back to me. Because even when I found out I was having, I was pregnant with twins and they told me I had like complete placenta previa. And I'm in Seattle carrying like these heavy photo bags through the airport. They're like, don't pick up your kids. And of course, what do you do? You Google and Google is probably the worst because you hear everyone's horror stories. And I remember from that moment, I said, I'm going to stop trying to reason with myself. And like, I did surrender. Um, Like you said, like, I was like, okay, I'm going to surrender all of the stuff that I don't know and that I'm out of control of. But I think so often moms, especially um, because we 
we want the best for our kids. We want the good to happen. Um, we forget to do what's necessary for us, like what we actually are in control of. Because when you dumb it down and simplify it, what you are in control of is this right here. And if this is not in a good space mentally, physically, spiritually, um, everyone around you will suffer. And that I learned, you know, going into these brain surgeries, especially the, especially the emergency ones, you know, with, with her condition, it's any given second of any given minute of every, that the morning, um, she could be functioning at 110%. There are not big warning signs. Um, and, and it happens fast and we have to act fast. And what I'm learning is now that I've gone through three, you know, it's, it's been a process. There's been times that I've been consumed with fear. I've, I've found myself in, it's the worst. I, those times I remember, I can tell you exactly like everything about those moments that when I'm consumed with fear and it does, it's useless and it's hard to get out of it. But if you, you know, I remind myself in, that the reasons, you know, having, I've, you know, I've used her experience to really motivate myself to take care of myself. That's been a huge, I, I got so lost in feeling like I had to do everything for my kids because I wanted them there. And I love it. The thing is, I love being a mom. I love caring for my children. And I got lost in that. I got really lost in having this big wedge put in like our normal life routine really forced me out of that mindset. And it really woke me up. You know, when I'm in the hospital during COVID, every time I've been, it's been alone. I've had my husband could not be there. I have a child, a tiny, she was eight weeks for her first brain surgery. She was, it was four months after that with her second. She's this tiny little baby. You don't eat, you don't drink, you don't. So I realized like, it is my job to be ready. I need to be my best self. I need to be ready. And not just for that, but for everything, just to be a better version of myself every day. But it's motivated me thinking that at any given second, I need to be ready for anything, you know, and I, and it is body, mind and spirit, you know, my body, I need to be ready to not eat. You know, I need to be fully nourished. I need to be feeling good. I need my mind, it's my job. I'm learning in the hospital things. I'm learning how to advocate. I never, as a mother, you know, that's your job. And this is just the next level. You know, I'm learning where my voice, how to use my voice, how to still be very respectful to these doctors because I am at their mercy and I am so grateful for them, but she is still my child. And first and foremost, it is my job to be to have a strong mind and be on the ball when I am in those positions, because there's very little that I can do. And that is something that I'm capable of. And that is my job. And my lifeline during those times is my spirit, my faith. I need that. Um, that's what, that's like the only thing, you know, that, that keeps you, that keeps you going to get to the next minute, to get to the next hour. So, yeah, so it's taught me and, and that now I, it's taken me, you know, her, she's 18 months. And now I feel, I finally feel like I'm 
I'm settling into that. And I'm excited. I fought it for so long because I wanted, I wanted to be 24 seven. I thought that's who I was. I thought that's I was fighting myself. And then I realized like, no one cares if I have a someone watch my kids for a day. My kids actually love it. Like <laughs> nobody else cares. But and it was me who cared though. It was me who I I thought my my mothering, my I thought I wanted it to look a certain way. I thought I wanted it to be a certain way. And when I started to really tune in and really look at the reality, I thought. I, I actually do need time for myself. I need it. And my, my kids need that from me. And I need that from me. And the more I get it, the more, the better. I just, it's so contagious. And yeah. it's a, it has an effort too, you know? Well, I mean, I love your shirt that you wore today yeah. because it, if you, obviously you can't see her because this is a podcast, <laughs> um, but it says advocate like a mother. And my shirt actually says, actually, I can. <laughs> I didn't see it. I love so it. We match. But um, I mean, I think when it really comes down to it, um, I think somehow we're wired to think that being a mar- martyr is the most, um, is the highest badge of reward. And then when you really think of like, yes, there are going to be the moments for you, Audrey, as a mom, where you are going to have to run on nothing, but that shouldn't be your every day. And if you're telling yourself it has to be, it's a lie because I mean, you have, you have a lot on your plate and you're actually telling me, no, it's more necessary for me to, um, to recharge in healthy ways away from my kids, you know, re refill my cup with something that I like to do, not just scroll my phone or, you know, try something someone else did, but you're like actively building a business that is on your terms. I mean, that's me too. I mean, I'm a, it's funny when people say, oh, you're so busy. You're so busy. I'm like, actually, I have more time this summer than I've ever had. And sometimes it really comes down to closing the door to the office and saying, you know what, like I need to connect with my kids. And then at other times it's my kids screaming and me saying, I will be with you when I finish this. (laughs) Like, I feel like it's like this balance of they're teaching me that I need to be more unplugged and connected with them um, more intentional. And then I'm teaching them that mom is not at their beck and call all the time. So important. So yeah. Cause important. yeah. I mean, how many days a week do you work? If you don't mind me asking. It depends on the week. So there's my, what there's times when I'm working mornings before the kids are up and when they go to bed nights. And then just recently I started having a Friday day where I work so I can prepare for my weekends. So weekends are my busy time with weddings, but it depends on the week. I can be out here one day a week or I can be out here six or seven. You know, it really, it's so, it fluctuates. And I'm learning that I, and I do when I have a busy week, I love it. Like I, I feel so good, but then I, I've learned that I, I can't, do it as consecutively as I use it. I need to recover. I need to reconnect. I need that, you know, and I'm learning too my, my balance. I'm learning that ideally I like to be out here three to four days a week, 
And I like to have that back and forth because I still loved it. Momming is my favorite. You know, I would give this up in a second. Mom, for me, being a mom is always first, but if given the opportunity, which I have, and it's right at my fingertips, I love, I love doing both. And I'm in a place now where my kids can come out and see me. They can be with me for short times. You know, they can come out here and be a part of it. And I love it. And I feel so lucky to have to have created this. You know, I, I say I feel lucky, but I, I worked very hard. You know, like we're, I were lucky and fortunate at the same time. I worked very hard for this. And I this was just a dream and a goal. And to be living it is very fulfilling and very exciting. Yeah. And I kind of feel like a good reframe of mind from we're lucky is like, you've taken full advantage of some cards that you were dealt and it's actually worked out very well in your favor because it was showing you your blind spots of trying to fit your beautiful, um, life into a, you know, your round, full, beautiful life into a square peg that you thought it needed to be right. I mean, even with me, I have daycare two days a week. Those are the days that I shoot. Some weeks are busier than others. Usually I'll, I've, I've gotten a heck of a lot better at planning. And as a creative, I've come far, but there is still growth there. Oh, um, but it's, it really honestly comes down to every time I've felt overwhelmed or I was dropping the ball, I was like, who committed to this? I did. Right. And then you realize you, you are in control of those small things. Yeah. And usually it's you like not upholding a boundary with your work or your kids or yourself. You're trying to do it all like mediocre. And really what you're being called to do is like focus on one thing amazingly right now and then move to the next, like in, in the time you can't, you know, we can multitask. Women are great at multitasking, but like I said, it becomes burnout when it becomes your lifestyle. So, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say one thing, you know, I really respect about owning my own business and having my own business. And then I love is I love to have, and one reason I always wanted my own business is I want the accountability. I want it when it's positive. I want it when it's negative. I want it all. I want that. I, I love it because I feel like there's no, there is no one to push it on. Like I don't have that option and I like it because I'm, you know, if I had it, I might take it. Who knows? Maybe I wouldn't, but I might, you know, it'd be, it's sometimes it'd be easier. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that comes with the mindset. I mean, a lot of, I will say like the country raised mindset is very much so empowering in that sense. I think you could probably agree with that is a lot of that mindset is how you were raised like um, in that aspect was an advantage for you because it was like, pull up your boots, girl. Like you can go do it. <laughs> like right. yeah. figure it out. Your parents. Yeah. Your parents. Oh, that's me. Like it's not, it's, I work when I work in the world of cake. So I have to remind myself, you know, I take it very seriously. I pride myself. I, you know, my job, my biggest fear in my business is disappointing people. You know, that's the serious fear of mine. And I would hope, you know, that's all I want is to, to satisfy people, to make them happy, to bring them joy, to deliver the product that they asked for, and maybe even something better than what they asked for. And uh, so, 
Yeah, but I, rem- I have to remind myself, like, this is this is cake. So if something goes awry, like, I often have to sometimes, I've gotten a lot, after kids, it's gotten a lot easier. Pre-kids, it was like, if I drop a cake, the world ends. Now it's like, okay, like, we'll run to the grocery store and fix it. Luckily, that's never happened. Never, ever have I yet dropped a cake. But one of these days, it's going to. And I feel like that day, I'm going to be like, well, what's, like, how do we fix it, you know, and find yeah. a solution. And I think that's like the mindset is like everything, like, I mean, there are very few things in the world that are final. And I mean, you have been faced with that question, like of uncertainty, right? So it just makes everything else like trivial in a sense of like, well, how do I make this better? How do I make the best of this situation? I think so often we put um, a finality on something, or I don't even know if that's a word, the final on something. And you're realizing, no, like it's not the end of the world if this doesn't happen. And context matters because you were saying, you know, a C-section is the worst thing that can happen. Oh no, honey. Like it wasn't, you found out, but, um, you know, I was telling Anthony, I was going to say, I was telling Anthony today at Copper City um, Strength and Conditioning, I was like, you know, what I realized in the past 10 years is as much as I love joy and bringing people photos, they're just photos. I know that they're important, but at the same time, like it's as much as like, I love to be the one to take the photo and stuff like that. Like there's so much to go around it's just photos. Like we could problem solve if something happens, you know, unless it's at that, like a finale, you know, a final moment type thing. But yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to hear your mindset around this. Now I'd love to ask because you've really had to set some boundaries around things in your business and your personal life. What are you doing differently now that has like up leveled your connection with your kids and even brought your business up? Is there anything like that in your life that has happened where you're like, this one shift made all the difference? I think it's easy. I think accepting help. It's as easy as that. I think allowing people to step into my life and help uh, in so many different ways, just welcoming that in. I fought it for so long. I wanted, I don't know if it was a pride thing or a stubborn, I don't know what it was, but I did, I had such a hard time asking for help. And when I learned how to do that, it just, it freed it changed my whole world. It allowed me this freedom. It allowed me this space. It allowed me, it just changed my whole, I feel like it changed my business. Yeah. It changed. And also um, because in my business, I've, I've taken a lot later. I've shifted. I've made a ton of different shifts within my business. I'm still shifting now. I'm actually working on making a big shift in the next year and changing gears because I'm learning that with my daughter's condition, I, she has a lot of unpredictability and booking weddings two to three years out. I don't have, they're very concrete. It's hard to find flexibility when you, so I'm shifting into something where I can schedule something more classes, something where I don't have to book out two to three years, something 
that I can still dive into something that I'm so passionate about, some, something that will still give me an outlet to work and be in my shop, but something that will be so much more manageable for me and myself at this phase of my life with my young children. And then as far as my kids, just having help, I used to think I needed to be their caregiver 24 seven. And I just thought that I wanted to want that. So I tried to want that and I loved it. But then I, I, it was, I got burned out and I, I'm very, so one thing that it's become very clear to me, I, I'm very guilty of this and I want to share it because I think it's so important, but I, I never actually thought I like was very judgmental, but I found myself not understanding. I found myself being very like, could not understand these other moms and how easy it was for them. I didn't think they were bad moms. I just couldn't figure out how are you going to work 40 hours with this new baby? How are you? Like, I felt like I could not, I was not capable of that. How are you going to do this activity and not feeling, how are you not feeling that guilt? Like, how are you doing it? And then I'm now after allowing that help, after reshifting my thinking, after tuning into myself and not what did I think that I want, what feels good, where, how do I function best? You know, I having that little bit of time helps me excel in a big, big way. And I now have so much respect for those mothers because they know how they, they know what they need to be the best mom, whether it's 40 hours of work a week or a bath or a jog or what they already had it figured out. And here I was, you know, thinking like, like I was, you know, I think I was judging them subconsciously, but also I was so, I think there was some, and like not jealousy, but you know, I really had to look, I had to look at my, I had to like tune into those feelings and feel like, why do I feel this way? Why is this stirring up like emote? Like, why am I feeling like, oh, how could you do that? Like, but it was really just a reflection of what I needed. It was right there in my face. And um, so when I finally could see it and act on it, you know, it, it changes your life. It does. Yeah, I think I remember us having a few DM conversations about that. Like it was pretty early on. I think it was maybe right after Annie was born, maybe even before. And I'm trying to but to- I remember us talking about, you know, I remember you saying, like, I don't know how I'm gonna give any time to my business. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, do you love it? (laughs) Like, is it something you want? It's probably just not going to look the way that you thought it would. And I think so often, like, because like just how our brain works, you know, you're operating from a place of you knowing this room. Here's a really, really great example. Your brain operates from knowing, like from your senses, like what you see, what you feel, what you hear, what you touch. But there are things in this room that I'm not aware of, right? Because there's only so much your senses can ingest and your brain can process. 
um, I heard this story once of these people going into like a fun house and the guy's like, I will give you a hundred dollars. If you get the room color of this room, correct, the color of this room correctly at the end of this house. And they're like, okay, this will be easy. So they walked in and the room is green and they, the guy shows them the next room, room is green, next room, green, all throughout the hallway, green last room. He's like, what color is the wall? And they're like, it's green. <laughs> like hand us our hundred dollars. And he's like, no, it's not. And they're like, no crap it is like, and he pulled out two paint swatches in this fun house. They changed the color from green to blue. And it was drastically different when you hold up the paint swatch, but just because like of their perception of walking in and assuming that it was green because it just mildly shifted, they didn't even realize it was a completely different color by the end of it. And their brain has already said, no, this is green. Sorry. Like you're not seeing the full story half the time when you're really in that. And so like when people say, I don't know how, like a lot of people will say, I, I just don't know how Melissa. And I'm like, it's not important that you don't know how, like what is a step towards what you want? Because the how will like fill itself in. Like, it's almost like God throwing like little stepping stones out in front of you as you're walking towards what you want. Because if you knew how you would already be there by now. <laughs> And with our businesses and motherhood, you know, each to their own, because what's important to Audrey may not be important to Melissa. So I don't think mothers ask themselves enough, like, what, what am I feeling? What needs to fill up my cup? Where am I trying to hold on to so tightly? Where do I need to surrender? And a lot of times when you're in that mess, it's hard to see. Yes. <laughs> but usually the answer is right in front of you, right? <laughs> always, always. And um, I know we're running short on time and I want to honor your time as well. I would, I know you have some really big things that, I mean, every time I hop on Facebook or Instagram and see Annie's story, I just like ball up in tears because I know how far you've come as a mom. And I know like, oh, it makes me cry now. Um, I know that this beautiful gift as a child and your family, all of it has been put in your life for a bigger purpose. And it took breaking you down to really seeing the bones to get you like, to get those connections to say like, oh my gosh, like this child is showing me like what I need to learn here and what is our bigger purpose whether and the purpose will continually evolve, but you're not going to get that evolution if you don't take action. So you have some big things coming up. I would love for you to share like how people can support you. Um, even if it's just like following you on Instagram and your cowgirl boots or liking your Facebook page for your cakes, because her cakes are phenomenal guys. Like I was sad when she left, <laughs> but um how, what are you up to right now? That is like, just, you're so excited to share with the world and how do people um, get in touch with that and you? I would say right now our, you know, in our, in our family world, we, every, every September, um, we're going to celebrate right just before the end of August, but it's hydrocephalus awareness month. And I've, I've always been, I've never had a big reason to, and I've never really felt compelled as much as I do now to just really help educate on what hydrocephalus is, how it affects children and 
teenagers and adults, uh, people of all ages, and why it's so important. You know, there is no cure for hydrocephalus. And for us, um, we, we have the most perfect child. She is so unique in all of her own ways. And we want to keep her like that. But we do, it, it is so hard to put her through a brain surgery, to watch her endure that. It is a lot. It is very risky. It's very painful. Um, she is so strong and resilient, but we don't, we wanna, we wanna help create a brighter future for her. So every year, this is only our second year because she's not even two yet, but I've, I feel compelled to do a little fundraising on behalf of the Hydrocephalus Association. And this year we are, hosting an event that's going to have um, wildflowers, build your own bouquets. We call our daughter our little wild Annie just because she's been a wild one from the get-go. We actually named her that long before, well, we named her that before I even gave birth to her. So we theme all of our events around wild Annie. And this year we are also making Sunshine boxes, which are for local pickup, but I am doing a special one for Melissa that's going to be delivered, but most all of them are going to be local pickup. But the message of the box, so the sunshine box we created, I wanted to do something inspired by Annie and on her behalf, but something to really encourage other people to just take a minute find someone they love, someone near and dear to them, and just be with them. Enjoy just like a super simple, uh, we, you know, we, we did a picnic box. So there's flowers, there's fresh cheese, there's jam, there's bread, like the staples of a picnic, there's hard cider, um, the staples of a picnic. So you got what you need. You don't even have to prepare. But the bigger portion that we just wanted people to just be with someone to share their time. We get life is such a hustle bustle. We get so caught up in it. We're on the go. We're on the move. And we forget to just sit back. And we live in a, a place and you live in a place. There's so many places around the world that it's so easy to find a space to do that, to just be out in the fresh air. And if you can't be out, do it inside somewhere that makes you feel calm and at peace. But to just really enjoy it. We forget, you know, we're around these people we love, but are we really, are we really tuning in? Are we really listening to them? You know, just sit down and just have a conversation with them and listen, listen to them, hear them and see them and just be grateful for those, that time that you have with them. Be grateful for that they're there um, because we, you know, just because Annie has this condition that puts her at higher risk, of different things, there's no guarantees for anyone. You know, some people look at our family and I think, think like, oh my gosh, like their future, like they just don't, but nobody knows the way I see it. You know, maybe we're at higher risk, but nobody has the guarantee, nobody. And we're no exception. You know, we're just have it front and center in our vision, but really it's, nobody has it. So we don't feel any different than anyone else. Um, so anyway, so there's the Hydrocephalus Association. They are the association that we really are raising our funds for because their goal is to find a cure. Um, 
and she has a shunt right now, which is a medical device that poses a lot of malfunctions. It is amazing because it works, but there's a lot of ways that it malfunctions and a lot of things that can happen that um, just need to be tended to. And unfortunately, that requires more brain surgery. So those are our big things. Within my business, I'm just venturing in to classes next. I'm going to be doing very detailed, fine floral. I want to do more of a, a small group setting. And I want to bring people together. I want to create another opportunity. And I think this next year is really about creating these opportunities for other people to take the time to gather with the people they love, to have fun, to do something enjoyable. Um, so that I think is just, that is how I am dealing with the helplessness. Like, you know, when I'm feeling helpless in all these moments, I this is how I deal with that. I want to feel like, how, how can I put all that energy and make it into something something positive, something optimistic, something that will help other people, maybe encourage them and remind them and um, motivate them. And something bigger than yourself. I think so often that's where change happens in the world is when we're taking our own pain in a sense and saying, okay, I know I'm not the only one. How can I serve others? Right. Because you're raising like an awareness and a stronger community of connection, Um, and that's super, super important. And I know like, I don't live there, um, cause I would be picking up like five boxes for all my friends and making sure that, you know, I'm at least advocating for them when they're not seeing that they're so busy that they're not taking the time, you know, um, advocate for those ones you love. So I know I have some New York friends or some friends close to you. So, and they listen to the podcast. So they'll definitely be hopefully um, at least following your story and maybe picking up a box. But um, you know me, I'm still rooting for this to go national. (laughs) Until we find a cure, I'm going to be working on different ideas and different plans every year. So I feel like this could be my my little spark to get me to make this something more accessible, something that I can share to a larger group, something that I can get a further distance easier um, and really get our story because it's so so important to our family to share, you know, um, and to express really loudly that our family's really grateful for our journey and for our story. And, and we don't, you know, we were, it's been, and in the hospital, we walking out of that ultrasound, we we were given those looks of sorrow, of pity. And you know, had my old self, I would have I would have done the same thing. I wouldn't know, you know, I would feel bad for someone walking out of that room. I would feel terrible. Um, and that's just not that's not the case. You know, we we feel like. We are so grateful for this opportunity we are giving and we're latching onto that and we're running with it um, because now our gratitude for life, our enjoyment of the most simple things, they're just magnified and we're so, we're grateful for that. So, um, you know, if you have those opportunities come knocking, you know, we want, and just, I, I also wanted to share a quote, but I don't have to do that. I think it's just a message. Uh, Keep this the one thing I think that helps keep me grounded 
and bring me back to like solid ground at those times where I find myself really getting consumed by the fear and, and getting lost in it. Um, I keep this quote on my wall in my bedroom. It's actually a picture from Glacier from my honeymoon that I put it on. And I want to share it because I think we forget all that we already have. So often we forget, you know, we, we so hard not to, you know, we had already pictured our life with two kids. We had already envisioned what these sisters would be like together, you know, and then we learned of the news we were so blindsided and we didn't even realize we had already like planned out this, like we're not even, we had, we didn't, we subconsciously got so far ahead of ourselves. And so now each morning I read this quote and I just reminds, it reminds me um, how, how to, how lucky I am. And this is, it, it's from the book, the four agreements and it's by Miguel Ruiz. And I'm just going to do a tiny spurt of it, but it just says, I just give thanks every morning. And this is what I read to do. So it says, thank you, creator of the universe for the gift of life you have given me. Thank you for everything that I have ever needed. Thank you for the opportunity to experience this beautiful body and this wonderful mind. Thank you for living inside me with all of your love and your pure and boundless spirit with your warm and radiating light. Amen. And I, that is the quote. And especially having Annie um, not knowing how her brain was going to function. I should mention that fast forward 18 months, her brain has regrown 80% of the way. There's about 20% that probably will never grow back. And um, because of the brain bleed that was damaged, but the fact that 80% of her brain has grown and flourished and bounced back is absurd and insane. And it just reminds us that anything can happen, anything at all. And, um, and I remind myself, like, we are so lucky. Like I have this body, I can use it. And my brain communicates with my body. We take these huge things for granted. You know, she, her right side of her brain cannot communicate with the left side of her body. Um, it'll be, you know, she will eventually be diagnosed with CP, cerebral palsy, which is something I'm no longer afraid of. You know, at first it was very intimidating to know that. And now it's, it's just, it's the way her, it is her, it's the way her body yeah. works. But for us to, to, it just things, we have so many things that are just, they just happen. We don't even have to think about it. So when you're faced with not having it, it, it just really brings to your attention, you know, how lucky we are and, and to remind you to be grateful for that, because it just makes all those little things just dissipate all those little worries, all those problems you thought were big. It's like, we're here, we're alive. Like, this is cool, like hard or not. This is, this might be hard, but we're here for it. You know, and on the other side of that, it's, it's just beautiful. So yeah, I I love that. And I love that book too. If no one has, if there's anyone on here looking for a good read, that one will change your life. That's one of the books that I, I love. I actually would give all of my married couples that book yeah. Yeah. because it's super important. Um, and I'm going to have to look that up. I thank you for the reminder. It's so beautiful. So um, how do they, um, if they were impacted by this, how would they get in touch with you? Um, do they follow you on Instagram or Facebook? Do you have a group? What, 
do you do? I have Instagram. Um, I have a business Instagram only that I, I like 85%. Now that I have kids, it's I like incorporate my kids a little bit more into it, but 85% business. And then I throw in a little family stuff on the side. And that's, um, you know, I have to like look what my, my Instagram. I, I can't remember what it is either. <laughs> I'm trying to think. It's my own thing. I'm not the best at keeping it updated. It's cake underscore baby underscore cake. And that'll link you. I have a Facebook page too. Most things are just um, combined with the Instagram and the Facebook. So if you go to either one, you'll probably see all the same information. But yeah, I do share, I share, you know, snippets of what I do. I am a, I call it binge-degramming. I binge-degram a lot. I like go on like four days straight of showing everything and then I'll be gone for two weeks and then I'll come back. But that's just the way my life is right now. So. And I think that's um, amazing. Like not fitting yourself into the box, but just saying, right. Hey, I'm still here. It's all, it's I'm all good. I'm not when I'm not. And you'll see me when I'm here. And you're, you're running a business. Like you're not. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes people get confused on what running a business looks like. So running a business means taking care of people first. I sometimes get sucked into that um, opposite mindset as well. But um, I just, Audrey, I love everything that you had to share with us. And I walked away with so much that I didn't even know, but then just your little nuggets of wisdom about surrendering so that you, you can actually see where you're meant to be and where, where to grow. That's actually going to bring more to your life. Like when you say surrender, I visualized like surrendering to a better, more beautiful life. Um, and then the door of uncertainty, like that was really a door of hope. Um, I think how oh, just so many things I'll probably have to re-listen to this myself a little wise, but, um, it was almost by, it was almost not by, it was almost, um, I think I had to do it for survival mode because the fighting in that fighting it like was, it was too hard. So I, I had no other choice to surrender in that in, in that circumstance so and once you do it once it's like anything once you do it once um you realize what comes of it and then it, it continues to apply to your whole life and become easier and easier yeah so i think we will end with that and um reach out share this on instagram if you love this episode too because um obviously like I'm a big deal. So no, obviously like we thrive on people knowing that this conversation impacted their life and you know, you're not alone in this either. So, um, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next week. Won't you pull me another? I'm going in. So wish me good luck. Yeah, I gotta put on my favorite song I need a boost Let's turn up the love No, it is Way too late, but I just can't get my eyes off you Maybe we Will regret this But tomorrow is another day And I will do anything I will do anything to get